You're listening to Fast Facts Perio Edition, brought to you in part this month by Perio Protect. And now, here's your host, Katrina Sanders. Hello, and welcome to Fast Facts Perio Edition. Okay, you guys, I literally can't with myself this morning. I have been like running up and down the hallways of my house. My dogs think I'm crazy because I stumbled upon this research study that I just don't even know what to do with it. So I'm going to share this and then I'm just going to freeform and see if your brains are wrapping around this in the same way that mine is. Okay. So this morning I was talking to my sister, Dr. Elizabeth Sanders, who is a foot and ankle surgeon. And we were talking about the age old conversation around why is it that dentistry is so excited to talk about the oral systemic link and yet the healthcare space, our medical colleagues are just a bit delayed in getting on board. I continue to learn about all of the different interdependent links between, for example, periodontal disease and overall health. And it just seems so often like I get on this microphone and I am preaching to the choir, right? I'm talking to my dental people and I'm saying, hey, peeps, look at this oral systemic connection. How important is this? Wowee, isn't this incredible? But here's the reality. Do we actually do anything physically differently for patients, for example, that are at elevated risk for systemic disease or even have systemic disease? So, for example, we all learned in dental and dental hygiene school that there are some treatment modifications we should consider for different medical conditions, right? The patient is a cardiovascular patient. Maybe we should do a med consult, make sure that we are limiting epi in some cases, maybe nitrous oxide to help control stress. You know, we're looking at some of those pieces or maybe our diabetic patients. We are asking them about their A1C, how they're controlling it, what medications are they taking? Like we're asking them things, but what are we actually doing differently? If my patient's a diabetic, if they have an elevated risk for diabetes, if they are pre-diabetic, what am I doing differently on that patient versus a non-diabetic patient, a normoglycemic patient. Well, again, our brains are constantly going a mile a minute. If the patient is a diabetic, we first of all recognize that there is a greater recurrence of periodontal disease in diabetic individuals. We know that severe periodontitis is associated with poorly controlled glycemic levels. We know that there is a two-way street, for example, between diabetes and periodontal disease. So if a patient has active periodontitis, that that active periodontitis is going to be associated with an elevation of HbA1c. We know that if a patient has uncontrolled diabetes, that it dramatically delays their wound healing. It can impair or retard the success of our periodontal treatment that conventional methods like SRP can have an influence on management of diabetes, but ultimately that we may see a delayed response from these patients. So we know these things. My hope is that what I just rattled off to you is a very fast list of the things that probably go through your brain the moment that a patient sits down in your chair and they either check that they are a diabetic, that they have experienced gestational diabetes, and or 
For example, a patient who stated, I'm pre-diabetic and my doctor has me doing X, Y, and Z to manage and mitigate that, right? So I imagine that your brain is thinking all of these things. But again, I just, I can't, I can't shake the fact that the reality is when it comes to the actual provision of our care, the implementation phase of the process of care, right? Add pie. We go through our assessments. So we know early on that if the patient's a diabetic, that may influence our assessments, even in the D, the, the diagnosis, that we know that their diabetic status will influence their grade of periodontitis, the progression of the disease process that we could likely see or observe in these patients. So we know that the diagnosis may in fact change, but in the P, the plan, what are we doing to plan for something differently? Maybe some of us are telling our diabetic patients that we may see a delay in healing, that we may need to shorten that recall. Maybe we're driving home oral hygiene instruction in a better way. But the I, the implementation, what are we actually implementing that is different? Because at the end of the day, we can sit and study this diabetic condition all day. But if our implementation is the same as a non-diabetic patient, are we really delivering precision periodontal medicine for these patients? Okay. So this is where my brain is at. And I stumbled upon this research study. And again, I, I just like can't, <laughs> I'm like winded from doing laps around the house because this just blows my mind. We recognize that when patients have a localized inflammatory condition of periodontitis, that they will have high expression of systemic inflammatory mediators. So these are things like tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, et cetera. Here's the concern, particularly tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-6. These two inflammatory cytokines are really important when it comes to our diabetic patients because these two inflammatory cytokines are directly involved in insulin signaling. These two inflammatory cytokines, when they are in high concentrations, can actually lead to insulin resistance. And that insulin resistance we know is associated with diabetic conditions as well as cardiovascular events and stroke. So this is where that two-way street came from. And this is where in me having a conversation with my sister, Dr. Elizabeth Sanders, the podiatrist, this is where we absolutely see our worlds collide, right? She sees diabetic patients. They come in with diabetic foot ulcers. She has a wound care protocol that she uses, but she does these chronic wound care guidelines on these diabetic patients. She is evaluating these inflammatory cytokines. So she can actually test for this inside of the patient's blood. And from there, she treats that diabetic foot wound right? She will treat that diabetic foot ulcer. She will amputate the toes, amputate part of the foot, amputate the whole foot, even amputate up to below the knee. So that's what she's doing to manage these cases. And yet it's interesting because we also recognize that in the periodontal space, we do in fact see patients with elevated diabetic markers and oral diabetic wounds. So I stumbled upon this research study. You're all on the edge of your seats, or if you're driving to work, you're on the edge of your driver's seat. Please be safe about this research study. Okay. So I stumbled upon this research study that took a specific patient case. This particular patient case is a patient who presented 
into the dental practice. And this patient was an active diabetic who was diagnosed with active periodontal disease. So in this study, in this particular case, the patient was actually treated a bit differently. So first they did an initial examination and instead of immediately mechanically debriding that patient, which is, I get it, I'm a periodontal hygienist. I love me some mechanical debridement, right? Instead of starting right away with scaling and root planing and laser treatment for this patient, instead of that, the patient began with an initial assessment and delivery of customized trays with 1.7% hydrogen peroxide gel. This patient was on these trays for two months before mechanical debridement began. Now, remember, yes, we all love scaling and root planing. And again, as a periodontal hygienist, there is nothing more magnificent or glorious than utilizing instruments in the subgingival space and breaking up large calculus deposits. It is what we love to do. But the reality is we know we are not just tooth scrapers. We are more than that. So this research study helps us to really dive into that more than that. So in this study, the patient goes through 1.7% hydrogen peroxide therapy for two months before we even initiate true periodontal therapy the way we see it. Get this. Patient comes in, they begin their initial treatment. The patient's HbA1c when they first came in was 9.3%. We know that 9.3% is quite high. It is considered uncontrolled. At 9.3, the patient absolutely is at elevated risk for microvascular events, eye disease, cardiovascular disease, kidney diseases, nerve damage, and stroke. At 9.3, my sister, Dr. Sanders, would be testing this patient's neuropathy or nerve endings. This patient would be referred to a vascular specialist to be evaluated for these systemic complications. That's what a patient with a 9.3% A1C is experiencing on the medical side. Here in the dental side, this patient received 1.7% hydrogen peroxide periodontal trays for two months. After those two months, the A1C was taken again. The A1C dropped from 9.3% two months ago to a 5.8%. The patient's A1C dropped through two months of a periodontal tray delivery system indicated to treat the cause of the infection through a chemical debridement. After those two months, once the A1C was dropped to a 5.8, which is considered a controlled status for a diabetic patient, now the patient underwent site-specific laser treatment in areas, non-surgical scaling and root planing to control the debris. From here, now the patient was in a more optimal state to be able to respond efficiently to our conventional periodontal intervention of scaling and root planing. This gives us some incredible data, not only about how to take a look at cases like this moving forward and identify how we can partner with the medical community, but also looking at the fact that our management of these chronic wounds could help improve the patient's HbA1c, positioning the patient in a better space 
to then receive our conventional periodontal therapy and respond more favorably without the potential concern of extreme delay in wound healing. So the research study continued. And from here, we have actually seen other cases of patients with uncontrolled diabetes demonstrating a control of their HbA1c through the use of these periodontal trays. So as you can see, I'm here running up and down, taking a look at all of the different ways that we can transform our patient's care. And this to me has been the point of conversation with my sister as of right now. Why is this not moving into a standard of care opportunity when we see patients who are suffering from a diabetic condition in which the very therapy we can be offering to them can help to decrease their daily blood glucose and subsequent HbA1c levels. You've got to check out this research study. Check out the patient cases that have been loaded here. It is going to blow your mind. This has been another episode of Fast Facts Perio Edition with Katrina Sanders. Please feel free to reach me on Instagram at the Dental Wine Genist or on my website, www.katrinasanders.com. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fast Facts Perio Edition, brought to you in part this month by PerioProtect, the only company to undergo the rigorous approval for clearance with the FDA for customized periodontal medicament carriers called PerioTrays. We are in the post-antibiotic age and have better ways to serve our patients. If you want to learn more about how to help your gingivitis and periodontal patients, head over to perioprotect.com RDH to sign up for your free training today. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week on Fast Facts Perio Edition.